technology increasingly affecting every aspect of our lives, it's important to understand how it affects us psychologically. Welcome to the Psychology of Technology podcast, where we look at how humans and machines collide. And welcome to the Psychology of Technology with me, Kareem Tawansi, and... Brett Raven, how are you, sir? Very well, thank you. Yourself? Good, not too bad. It's a nice day outside. A little bit of rain, which is always good when it's dry. Yes, actually. The grass in sunny Sydney at the moment is very yellow. So we could do with a bit more rain. Yeah, well, we've got three or four days to look forward to, so I think it's, uh, oh, yeah. it's a good time. Yeah, it's a good time. A good time mm. to be inside writing code. Correct. So in our series of migrating to the cloud today, I want to talk a little bit about the all-important partner. Which partner do you choose? Now, to lay down the context of this conversation, recognising that some people choose to do a lot of their work internally, so their partner may just be a recruitment agency to find them bodies. But often people will go to external vendors to help them with with their cloud migration and and development services. And so choosing the right partner in itself is a bit of an art form. There are so many aspects to getting the the partner right. I think one of the things that I like to, to say to people is choosing your IT services partner is almost like choosing a husband or a wife because it's a long-term relationship that's meant to last well it's meant to be a long-term relationship because there is so many things at stake Mm. and so as a result you you need to be able to bond culturally as well as technically you need to be aligned on on the objectives of the project but I also think it's really important that you engage well and so that I suppose that sort of comes to the procurement process how do you procure um, so that's the, the procurement process really is the foundation to the relationship, if you think about it. Yeah, I, I, I agree with you to a certain point. I think part of the challenge you have is with bigger organizations, the procurement process becomes a second group of people that you deal with that may not reflect the culture and values of the people doing the actual delivery of the software or taking responsibility for it, Yeah, um, which is by design, of course. You want procurement people to negotiate hard and you know not hold, hold back their punches. I think um, you know to kind of... Uh, extend a bit more of what I said in, on what you were saying. The things that I've seen that make an implementation successful when you're choosing a partner, when you're working with a partner, is deep value alignment yep. to make sure you're both headed in the right direction uh, and good cultural alignment as well. So I've seen it fail many times before where you're working with an organization that is more of a head-kicking approach to de- developing projects, whereas you, you want something that's a bit more cooperative and collaborative. Uh, and that tends to work better when the, pro- the partner provider is the same kind of culture as well. It's inter- interesting. Actually, you're an interesting case study because you've been on both sides of the fence. Mm. And um, which one would you prefer, do you think? A oh, provider, a provider or, or, or a customer? Or a customer, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, look, it's a, it's a good question. I think it depends on the role that I would be playing. If I was, so if you're asking me, would I like to be in a company where I buy services or running a company that provides services? At this stage of my career, probably like being client side. Right. And the reason for that is because I've been through a lot of, of delivery over the course of my 30-odd years of doing this. I've seen what can go right and wrong, but whether or not I want to manage that process anymore at that level of detail that is required by a good partner, I would say is probably not a priority for me. So what you're saying is you like to be thinking in terms of the vision and yeah, the outcome and, then, and have the right kind of partner that's going to understand your vision and your outcome and then take away the headache of the details. Exactly. And also engage with you and your team at the right time, at the right level, and always be looking ahead for you. That's right. I think, you know, there is a desire in a lot of cases to maintain 
intellectual property within an organization. So that's the reason most cases um, that people have an internal tech team that they want to deliver with, mm. which totally makes sense, right? Because if you finish up with a partner or a partner goes off and does something else as a project then and you need something quickly, then it's kind of hard to you know, translate it across. Well, I think depending on the relationship you have with that partner. Of course, right? of yeah. course. However, um, you know, there are, there's a lot of cons to having an internal team driving. You know, there's a lot of costs associated with it, a lot of inefficiencies. And nothing know. stops members of your team walking out the door. Exactly. Yeah. So it takes IP with you. So, so look, I think, you know, the, the smarter move these days to stay, abuse the word agile all the time, but to say truly agile as a business, I think having a smaller internal team is the right approach. As you said, I like I like the language of taking the headache away from the customer. Yeah. Uh, because as a customer, you know, the less headaches I have, obviously, the more I can focus on strategic decisions. So, in terms of choosing the right versus the wrong partner, and we won't we won't talk about how to procure in this particular episode, but what are the things that you think a client or a customer should be thinking about when choosing the right partner? I yep. mean, we talked about cultural alignment, etc., but it's what deep, deeper concepts do you think? So the softer bits are cultural and value alignment, definitely off the top of my head. Professionalism. So I've been in situations where I've had three vendors present to me and the level of professionalism is vastly different and it gives you an indication of the kind of quality of work that you would expect. Yeah. Um, attitude, you know, uh, cooperability, even the procurement and negotiation process can give you some indications on what it's going to be like to, to deal with somebody. What do you think about history? Does history play a role, do you think? Like, I think it does, but I think the challenge with history is that sometimes people, you'll only hear about the good stuff, right? It's kind of hard to dig out a customer reference that's going to tell you the bad things, potentially. Using that as a, as a decision-making point, I don't think is wise. What I do think is wise, though, is if you pick somebody who's been in the market for a long period of time, there's a reason why they've been around for a long time. And that would give me a lot more confidence than picking you know, half a dozen people at a startup in a suburb outside of town that, um, you know, are just developers that really don't know how to manage a business as well. Because that's really important, I think. The key differentiator between good providers to me and bad providers, are one, especially smaller ones, is um, they, need to, they need to know how to run their business. They're not just a bunch of technicians. Right. And I think that's a really good point. They're not just a bunch of technicians. And I think a lot of people think that building software is purely technical. Yeah, it's Where in fact, I would say that it's almost... 50% not technical. Yeah, I, w- I would agree with that. And, you know, f- historically, we've discussed and written about why projects fail. And one of the key reasons why projects fail is because there's a lack of expectation management between the two parties yep. and a lack of collaboration. And as you said, you know, you, you can't expect purely technical resources to be uh, aware enough of the business realities to make the decisions and communicate in a way that needs to be made. No. And Obviously, we're making some generalizations here, but technical people tend to be deep thinkers. I mean, it's, it's, it's deep thought work. And you need, obviously, that deep thinking, but you also need those, you need those players who have broader thinking capabilities so they can relate to both the client, other vendors, and the deep thinking technical yeah. people. So you need that broad range of skills. And to some extent, I think personality types play a role. I think if you're very introverted it probably makes sense to take a, a deep thought role. And if you're very extroverted, you probably won't do very well sitting at a desk all day long That's with right. your head in a computer screen. One, one final thing I'd like to say about this is uh, the client. So as a client myself, you have just as much responsibility to deliver an application as the service provider. And it's really important to take that attitude going in. You know, I've seen lots of organizations treat a tech supplier as just a commoditized 
supplier and I can replace you with the next team to come along kind of thing. And it's not like that. Yeah. Software is hard. Innovation is hard. You need to build long-term relationships with people and have good innovative partner, trusted advisor type approach to how you're engaging. So choosing the wrong implementation partner, like you said, is, you know, it's like getting married. You'll get divorced pretty quickly and, and it's going to be messy. Yeah. <laughs> well, on those wise words, um, I'm going to, we're going to wrap things up. Nice chatting with you again, Mr. Raven. And I hope you get to enjoy this lovely, not so sunny day. Have a good afternoon.